obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Hi, everybody. It's Robbie reporting live. I'm just uh, bringing in our uh, Twitch audience real fast here. Uh, let's see that. All right, welcome everybody to Sports on the Hill podcast. This is episode 229. I'm joined here, like always, by uh, Carol. Um, we've got a big night ahead of us. Uh, we're going to talk, Nats talked at the beginning. We're also talk about the NBA and NHL uh, playoff update. Uh, so, um, yeah, it should be a, a fun uh, time. And, uh, yeah, why don't, Carol, why don't you introduce uh, how you're doing? What's going on, Robbie? You know, as always, CP3 coming to you live from the lab. It's a little different tonight. I'm on the Zoom feed with Robbie. I'm about to share it to my page in a second for folks that's looking for all the graphics that's normally on my page. You know, got some technical difficulties going on tonight, so we'll be back to normal next week. But as always, Sports on the Hill podcast bringing you the best DC sports coverage around. Yeah, like Robbie said, we got some great Nats coverage. They went 3-3 three and three last week. We got the game on now. They tied 2-2 with Pittsburgh. I believe it's the bottom of the oh, top of the seventh. Man on one out, 2-2 two, two tie game. Finnegan's on the mound. He's looking better than he did the other night when he uh, cost the Nets the game. I'm going to break that down with the you know recap of the week. They're still in last place, unfortunately. But, you know, there's always time to turn it around. We saw that happen before. It can happen again. Then we're going to talk a little NHL and then probably in the NBA roundtable breakdown of the NBA. Then stay tuned. We'll have some football coverage coming up soon. And uh, I was talking to Paul, the boxing guy. He'll be on probably soon. Robbie will be taking a break uh, starting next week, I believe. So we yeah, have- I'm, t- I'm taking one week off and then I'm back for one week and then I'm gone for two. So it's, it's like a staggered thing. So uh, I'm going to Texas next week and then I'm going on a different trip for two weeks uh, in, uh, in July. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to taking a little bit of time off. I, I love doing this, but it's also uh, nice to get an opportunity to get away. And I haven't been able to travel obviously in over a year. Um, and I'm thankful, uh, that both Liz and I have, um, our vaccines and, um, and, and Zach is really good at using, 
uh, his mask. I want to tell one quick story before we get into uh, baseball talk because it's baseball related um, and it's actually a local team. So if people don't know about this area, there's a team called the Frederick Keys and they used to be a minor league affiliate team for the Baltimore Orioles from 1989 till 2020. Um, they're actually the first baseball team I ever got to see live. Uh, they again opened in 89 and I want to say within the first couple of years, my parents took me to my first baseball game and, uh, oh, I just got a subscription on Twitch. Thank you, Carly. Um, I appreciate, um, now a second month subscriber, my first person to have two months. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was a really cool thing. I just wanted to show really a quick, a little video snippet, and then we'll get into uh, our normal uh, podcast talk real fast. But um, it was a really fun time. If you go to my YouTube channel, uh, go to sports.thb.com, click on my name in the YouTube link, you can see um, uh, that uh, you know we had such a great time. It was a beautiful day. Uh, Zach got to meet uh, the mascot. Um, and I uh, got to go in the carousel and ride around, and they even do like fireworks which is really amazing. And then he got to even run the bases. So if you want to check that out, it's a really adorable video. It's on my YouTube channel, uh, again, sportsothp.com. And I click on Robbie G's YouTube channel. So I just wanted to give him a shout out for going to his first first baseball game. I also wanted to point out that they did really well. Um, I actually have the box score right here. Um, and uh, here it is. Uh, so uh, nine, uh, seven, so they scored nine runs on uh, 12 hits, which is uh, incredible. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, they played well all the way through. And they had been 0-12-2, and Carol, leading up into this game. Um, and they've had a rough stretch of it ever since uh, they've left. Uh, there's, they're now in a collegiate minor league thing. It's a whole different. They restructured the minor league this year. And they're on the outs. They're no longer part of the Orioles system. But uh, anyway, it was really fun to go to a game. Highly recommended if you live in Maryland. Uh, we got to sit front row. Uh, right, in, uh, He was climbing on the dugout. And um, it was $13 a ticket. So, I mean, you can't beat that for front row tickets. And they've got, like, tons of rides and stuff. I haven't been since I was, like, five or six. But it's amazing. So, anyway, it's a Frederick Keys. Give them a little shout out. Uh, check them out if uh, you want a family-friendly baseball situation. Uh, so, I mean, uh, so I was excited about uh, that. Um, I'm going to let you, Carol, rock and roll with some of the baseball talk. We're going to bring in Brian and Tim in a little bit to talk about the game that they went to. I'm going to put on the baseball game on my screen over here so I could give live scoring updates throughout the night. Uh, and I will also share it to a bunch of Facebook groups as well. But I'll let you rock and roll and talk about that Tampa Bay series. All right. Uh, as we spoke about a little while ago, the Nats uh, finished three and three for the week. Uh, they are 27 and 35, last in the NL East. Uh, injuries and pitching and not getting hits when they need them basically is what's going on with the Nats right now. In the last 10 games, they're four and six. Uh, as I said, they're currently uh, in the top of the seventh, Pittsburgh, and uh, he just struck out two. I was one man on. Finnegan's on the mound. Uh, he's pitching very well tonight. He had a bad outing a few nights ago that I'm going to talk about definitely. The bullpen has been a slight issue also. Uh, we talked about the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Brian gave a great breakdown of their uh, Tottenham squad being in the AL East. And he spoke highly of uh, Tyler uh, now, And he uh, didn't disappoint. First game of the series was a uh, 3-1 loss. Tyler Glass now was on the mound. He won the game. He went uh, seven innings, giving up six hits, 
one earned run with 11 strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Wanda Swirl took the loss. That puts him at 0-1. Uh, Glasnow was now 5-2 after that game. Uh, Wanda Swirl went a third of an inning, giving up one hit, two earned runs with no strikeouts and two walks. And Diego Castillo earned his 10th save of the season for the Rays, going one inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, with a strikeout and no walks. Uh, Trey Turner went one for three with the RBI single for the long run score by the Nats. Um, the second game, the Nats were able to split. They won nine to seven. They went extra innings. Uh, Brad Hand earned the victory. He uh, That puts him at three and two. He went two innings, giving up two hits, two runs. One of those earned because, you know, the in the extra innings, the man is on second. And if that man scores, it's not a run because he was already on the base or whatever. Uh, he had three strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Diego Castillo took the loss for the Rays. That puts him at two and three. He went an inning, giving up two hits, two runs, one of those earned two strikeouts and no walks. And Tanner Rainey earned his first save of the season on one inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, with two strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Juan Soto went one for four with a two-run home run. Ryan Zimmerman had a monster game going two for four with a solo home run and a two-run home run. And Sterling Castro uh, continued his hot hitting, going two for five with an RBI double. Uh, this was a interesting series because, like I said, the first game with Tyler Glass. Now he, yeah, he's as Brian said, he he definitely had some nasty stuff. He was making the Nats look bad out there on while he was on the mound. Um, it was good to see the second game and put some runs up. Brian said they would probably split, had a better chance in the second game, and they definitely did. Uh, Brad had had a chance to lock it down, but unfortunately, you know, whenever he faced ALE teams for some reason, he can't shut it down like he needs to. But I'm still don't understand why they didn't resign Doolittle and keep the rotation the way it was with Doolittle and then Hudson. Now they have Hudson coming in the eight, and he's still been effective. But I feel as a closer, he, you know, I didn't even see no reason in bringing in Brad Hand for the amount of money they brought him in for. And you know, he has 11 saves, but all I remember is those three blown saves that, you know, cost the Nats victories previously. So we'll talk about that in a later date. Then the Nats had a four-game series with the Giants, who are, have the best record in the, in, in the National League. Uh, they split. First game was a one nothing loss. Uh, Mad Max left early with growing tightness. I believe it was in the first inning. Or maybe I think it might be in the second inning. I can't remember exactly. I know Brian and Tim went there will be coming in shortly to give their in-person recap of the game. But um, it was a one-nothing loss. And Anthony Descofani had a complete game shutout of the Nats. That puts him at six and two. He uh, went nine innings, giving him two hits, no more runs, with eight strikeouts and one walk. And Puello Espino took the loss for the Nets. That puts him at 0-2. Uh, he went three and a third, gave him three hits, one earned run, with five strikeouts and no walks. He gave up a home run to Buster Posey. Buster Posey, Buster Posey, you know, it was a one-nothing game. Um, then Juan Soto got robbed later in the game by one of the San Francisco Giants. I know Brian, uh, we talked about it after, right after it happened. And it was a one-nothing game. It was, a, you know, the Nets played well, but unfortunately couldn't Getting the offense on uh, Deskill Fani 
I didn't even know his name, but complete game shutout. That says a lot. Uh, Brian and Tim, you guys want to come on in and chime in on uh, your experience uh, seeing that one nothing game live and uh, yeah, the disappointing loss and the injury to Mad Max. Yeah, sure. I'll I'll go first. Thanks for having me on. Um, it was a crazy game just because it was the first night um, since the pandemic where the Nationals were allowed to have a capacity crowd. And they had about 18,000 fans, but it was probably a lot less actually in the seats because the weather was really iffy. And as soon as we got into the stadium and got to the seats, got food, Scherzer gets hurt on the second batter. And so the energy in the place just falls out of the stadium completely. And everyone was really bummed out, very confused. You know, it was a Friday night and people were sort of into it, like through the, um, the first batter, but that deflated the whole stadium. And um, Espino came in and did a great job all in all. It was just such a quick defensive game. And, um, you know, Buster Posey was the hero that he hit the only um, home run and run in the whole game. But just uh, the Nationals, you know, only had three base runners, I think, the whole game. That's not going to cut it. And the offense never got going and the crowd never got into it. So it was it was just kind of a um, an odd game, you know, not a ton of energy, I would say. That, that That's the theme. Agreed. I agree. I definitely agree with that. That's, that's a great break there. I, I just, I just want to like, I want to give love to Mike Talkman, um, who um, was the Giants outfielder who robbed Juan Soto. Uh, he used to play for the Yankees until just a few months ago when they traded him. And um, he's already made two incredible Homer robbing catches since he got traded to the Giants. And um, I, the Yankees could absolutely use him. So I, I regret that. I, I do miss Mike Talkman, but that catch was incredible. And um, yeah, just Descalfani was great. I mean, he the, he really mowed. The Nationals had zero offense in this game, uh, and he I, he's not somebody you normally talk about. Like nobody expected a complete game from him. And I agree with Tim. Uh, when Scherzer got hurt, all the energy and all the life of the building uh, went right out of the building. Like it was it was just like it was soul crushing almost that that happened. But uh, yeah, I shout out to Mike Talkman and yeah, the nationals got to start doing better offensively. Yeah. I sort of, I was watching the game when uh, I, I think it was a straight pitch and I think he like didn't land right on the mound and you can see him trying to stretch it out off the break. Yeah. And then when I saw the trainer come out, I was like, yeah, this is not good. It's just, uh, especially with our pitches with Strasburg, you know, on the IL again, getting his neck checked out. Now Scherzer with his groin. Corbin hasn't been his normal self. His his slider has been, I don't know what it is. His slider's been horrible this year. That's normally his bailout pitch. He gets a lot of strikeouts on that pitch, but he hasn't been able to locate it. And uh, Joe Ross has been, you know, he's three and six, but he's had some some great outings, but then he's had some horrible outings. Then you got Eric Fetty, who's been pitching better, but it's also the inconsistency. So it's a... Uh, it's kind of frustrating being a Nets fan right now. I think Fetty, though, um, is pulling it together, and he's got a chance to be good. You know, he's inconsistent, but he's got talent, and um, he just – he always goes up and down. You know, if he can just stick and get comfortable, he, he could be a 
a decent starter, I think. Yeah, great. He's definitely improved, and I actually wrote an article about him when he first came up, and you know, seeing what he what he had, and at the first it was he was giving up too many home runs. Now, what's going on with him now is he's having control issues. Sometimes when he's locked in, he's good, but when he's off, yeah, his control is the issue, and then that's when he gets walks and get extra men on base, pitch count gets up, and then he ends up out the game. But he's definitely, I feel he's definitely maturing into a good pitcher. And just like we saw with Strasburg, I feel like he didn't start developing to a pitcher from a thrower until they got Doug Fister on the staff. Because Doug Fister, I felt, taught him a lot about being more of a pitcher than just a thrower, because that's what Strasburg was before. And now he's more of a pitcher now that, that you know, if it's fastball, isn't getting him over, he'll go to his changeup. Well, he'll, he'll switch it up and, you know, give you different pitches and do what he has to do to get the out. So I think he's definitely going to mature into a, a quality pitcher for this team. And they've given him time. You know, sometimes when they don't have success off the break, they, you know, send them down and take them out of the rotation, but you see them sticking with them. So they got the faith in them. So that's a good sign. I'll just, um, I just want to wrap up our, our talk on this game by saying uh, it was great to be back at Nats Park. I love Nats Park. And it's great that it's back at 100% capacity. And I encourage everybody, even if the team sucks, uh, go to the games. They're a lot of fun. It was great to see the president's race. And um, I'm just glad that DC's back open again. And that Nats Park is back to normal. But, yeah, that was a frustrating loss. You know what's sad is you as a Yankees fan has been to the National Stadium more than I have. For <laughs> <laughs> I have to yeah, man. You got to change that. Start going to some games, Carol. I know. I got to try to do something, man. Trust me, I'm working. <laughs> but a quick score. I've got, I've got a scoring update. Yeah, okay. Right, do, do you have it? Go ahead, Brock. Yeah, Kyle Schwarber uh, just got a uh, solo shot to make it 3-2, right? On the bottom of the seventh, two outs. So. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice one. It was a bomb. And uh, so, uh, yeah, they take the lead. Again, bottom of seven, two outs. I'll uh, let you guys know if anything else happens. All right, a quick question, uh, Robbie, since you're on real quick. Kyle Schwarber has been leading off and Trey Turner has been hitting second. Schwarber's had some success so far hitting the leadoff spot. How do you feel about that? I, I'm okay with that. I mean, if you can get two guys, I mean – I'm just happy if you can get speed at the beginning of the lineup. So I think if you can get both of them on, you know, it definitely opens up some opportunities down the line. I mean, and I think at different times in the game, they're going to have to uh, take opportunity. You know, they might have to switch off. Right. So I don't know if it's going to stay this way the whole season, but you know, I think a, a bunch of different need to, people need to try the leadoff position throughout the season, unless it's like just dominated by one guy. And so I think, you know, with injuries and a long season, I think it's important that a couple of guys get there. And uh, obviously he just, uh, you know, scored a run. So now Trey's basically at the new top of the lineup. He can get on. Hopefully someone can hit him over. So, I mean, if it works, it works. I mean, we'll we'll just see in the long haul. They got to find something that works because, and and fast because season's slipping away. Yeah, because they've tried Robles at the at the leadoff, and he's not patient enough uh, enough to be a leadoff hitter. And Trey's had some good, uh, you know, quality success. He's the number one leadoff uh, home run guy for the franchise, mm-hmm. and he gets on base. He wreaks havoc when he gets around, gets on the bases. But uh, I, I mean, if he's having success, I don't have a problem with it. He's getting contact. He's starting to get hot now. And then if he can get on or hit home runs, and then Trey set the table some more, get on. I, I kind of, you know, I, I'm not mad at it. Tim, so what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think of Schwerber as a good leadoff man. He's more of a power guy, but 
you got you have to shake up the lineup now because the Nats have talent. They have a lot of good hitters, and they're it's been a long run of just bad hitting. And um, you know they'll break out here and there and score like over ten, but it's only for a game. And then it goes back to just a couple runs. So I I think shake it up and see what happens. I think if you know they somehow make the playoffs, Trey Turner is the leadoff guy. But right now, just keep yeah keep cycling through people and see what works. No doubt, no doubt. Let me go ahead and wrap up this series and we can talk about the upcoming games uh, and get ready to get into some NHL talk before y'all talk basketball. I appreciate y'all coming on early to talk baseball with us. Uh, the second game of the series was a 2 nothing win by the Nationals, and we were just talking about Eric Fetty. That puts him at 4-4. Four four. He went uh, five innings, giving up four hits, no more runs, but seven strikeouts and no walks. Uh, the ex-Oreo, Kevin Gossman, took the loss. He's uh, pitching pretty well out there. That put him at 7-1. and one. He's uh, went four innings, giving up three hits, two earned runs with four strikeouts and two walks. And Brad Hand earned the save for his 11th of the season. Uh, he went one inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs with two strikeouts. Uh, Schwarber went one for three with a solo home run. And Josh Harrison went one for two with the RBI double. Uh, that was a doubleheader game because the game had got ranked out. So that was the seven-inning game. And then the second game of the doubleheader was a 2-1 loss by the Nets. Uh, that was uh, Jake McGee earned the victory for San Francisco. That puts him at 2-2. Two two. He went one inning, giving up no hits, no one runs with three strikeouts. Kyle Finnegan, this was the game that he kind of uh, disappointed because normally when he comes in, he's locked in. He's getting strikeouts or getting contact outs. In this game, he was just all over the place. He uh, took the loss. That put him at 2-2. Two and two. He went a third of an inning, giving him two hits, two runs with uh, one of those earned with, strike, with no strikeouts and a walk. And Caleb Barrera earned the save. That was his first of the season. He uh, went the inning, giving him one hit, one run. Wasn't earned because extra innings after it went over seven innings. And uh, no strikeouts and no, uh, no walks. And the last game of the series, and that's where they would have earned a sweep. I mean, a, a split. I'm sorry. Uh, Joe Ross, who we just spoke about, is now three and six. But he went eight innings, giving him five hits, no earned runs, with nine strikeouts and no walks. Johnny Cueto took the loss, puts him at four and three. He went five and a third, giving up nine hits, five runs, four of those earned with two strikeouts and three walks. Kyle Schwarber had a, we were just talking about him at the leadoff. He had a monster game with uh, going two for four with two home runs, a solo home run, and a three run home run. And Starling Castro went one for four with RBI double. So uh, we spoke last week about the Nats facing the Rays, which are, you know, a good team in the AL, and the Giants, uh, you know, the number one team in the National League. And they went three and three. So, I said last week this would be, you know, telling about the Nats, you know, three and three, you know, 500, cool. It could have been worse. Could have been one and five. We would have liked four and two would have been better. But the fact that they were able to, you know, split with two of the best teams in the MLB shows, as they just said, they have talent. They just got to put them together and be consistent on a, you know, on a daily basis to continue to win these games. Uh, it's still up three, two, top of the eighth, oh, two count. No outs. Uh, who's that on the mound? Tanner Rainey's on the mound right now. Look like it's a pop out to right field. All right. So uh, 
Brian, with the Giants, I know you follow baseball, you know, in a wide variety. With the Giants being one of the top teams in the NL, what do you think about this team being able to get a, a, a split with this team and actually, you know, keeping it competitive, not getting blown out or, you know, some crazy things happen? Well, um, I actually want to talk about one specific moment in this series, which I actually talked to you about offline, Carol. Um, I watched the highlights of this, this series. I watched the highlights of every game. And uh, in the second game of the doubleheader, Victor Robles made a mistake that I think is absolutely inexcusable when he tried to tag up and when he slid over the bag and got tagged out to um, get doubled up on that in the extra innings. I thought that was inexcusable and just sloppy and just – really bad baseball and like that's just something you can't do now I'm as you guys know a Yankees fan and I've seen my team run out and make outs on the base pass all season this year and it's been incredibly frustrating to watch so to see the Nationals do it too was also like really frustrating because you know Robles is better than that and that was a huge mistake um so I just wanted to comment on that before I, I talk about the rest of the series but um it was that cost them a chance at winning the series I feel but nevertheless it's good to get a split against the team that does have the best record in the NL, which is surprising to a lot of people. They're in a really good division with the Dodgers and the Padres, two teams that I think are frankly better than them. So to be in first place and to have the best record in the NL is really incredible for the Giants. Uh, so it's good that the Nationals did split the series. It was a low-scoring series. Um, Joe Ross was excellent on Sunday, um, and I I really like Joe Ross, so I, I – you guys talked about Fetty. I like Joe Ross. I want Joe Ross to do well. Um, so that was good to see. And yeah, um, a three and three week against Tampa Bay and the Giants is is good, I would say, because um, those are good teams. So you take it. You'll take it. Definitely, definitely. I yeah, agree. That was, our, that was our goal going into the week, right? We were talking about it last week that we were going to try to stay around 500. So yeah, I agree. I like Joe Ross also. I, I, I hope the best for him that he can get consistent. Because, like I said, when he when he pitches well, he's locked in. Like you said, what, eight innings, five hits, no runs, nine strikeouts, no walks. I'm Great like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, if we can just get out on a consistent basis, this dude is going to be lights out. And I know his brother is with the was the Padres, and he was more highly titled than Ross uh, at, his, at his stuff. And it seems like Ross, you know, got a World Series ring, but he hasn't got that consistency yet. So hopefully we'll see that soon, getting locked in with him also. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tim, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I would say even two and four isn't that bad with these opponents. Like Tampa, I know better just being in the AL East, and they've been on absolute fire lately. Um, every year they're somehow good without spending any money and having a terrible stadium and fan base. <laughs> so they have great management, always competitive. And San Francisco, I think it was a great job to come back and split because they had that opening series loss. They had all the rain. Um, you lost your best player to injury. And you had your bullpen get all but uh, one out in the game and come back and do a doubleheader that, that I think even had extra innings in one game. So for the bullpen to get through that and have a ton of scoreless innings – that was uh, great. And then also Joe Ross needed to have a long outing and did and had a shutout. So they're looking good in this game and um, their bullpen kind of saved them uh, going into this week. Yeah, Brian mentioned that Robles play. It was, uh, I didn't understand. I know. See, and Dude, what was he thinking? Like that makes <laughs> no sense to me. He, I mean, right now to me, 
he he he's pressing at the plate. And the fact that he got on, I think he was so happy to be on that he was trying to make something happen to spark the team. <laughs> and he just made a boneheaded play. You know, it's like do or die. You know, if, if he made if he if he was able to advance, it'd have been a great play. But because, like you said, he overshot the base and got out and possibly cost a nasty game, we're looking at it a bad way. But he has to be more patient at the plate. And I, I want to see him try to bunt more because he's a good bunter, but he's trying to hit the long ball or trying to, you know, trying to get triples and doubles. Like sometimes when you're not hitting well, you got to get yourself on the bases. And then when you can wreak havoc on the bases, that's going to give you confidence when you start stealing bases and putting pressure on the pitcher. And then they're worried about you getting on base instead of you worrying about yourself getting on base. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Robles has a ton of potential. Like, we saw it in 2019. He pretty much got the job away. It was him and Michael A. Taylor for a long time, and then it just became Robles exclusively pretty much. So he has the potential to be a very good center fielder. At the game Tim and I went to, I was actually a little surprised. They pinch hit for uh, him with Andrew Stevenson. And uh, I know that that would have been a better matchup. It would have been a lefty versus a righty, but I, I was surprised because Robles has been on the team for so, a while now, and he's been a consistent guy. They would pinch hit for him in that spot. But, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, he hasn't been getting on base, and um, I, I, you're right. He must have been just really happy to be on base. That's the only explanation for a bonehead move like that. Real, real quickly, I got a scoring update, or at least a, a double play um, by the Nationals to end the inning. And, and not an easy scoop. He got the ball and uh, a nice play to uh, second base, and then obviously the relay on to first. But uh, we'll take the double play to end the inning there. So uh, the, the Nats are still up three to two. So I um, just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, well, Robles, he's a. Uh, he, ha- he has it. Like you say, he has the potential. He's. A, Defensively, hands down, you know, it's no problem. It's just at the plate and the fact that they have him hitting ninth now and the pitcher hitting ahead of him, that kind of lets you know what they feel about his patience at the plate right now. It's like he, the high fastball, like everybody knows, you throw him a high fastball, he's swinging for the fences like he's going to catch up to it. And it is, he just has to have more patience. And I think if he, you know, starts to try to bunt for base hits, you know, more often with his speed, and he's a he's a he's an above average bunter. He can he can put the ball down and get the first base, and then, then he can get on base and then build confidence through his you know speed when he steals bases, which will help the team. But he just has to get that patience back that he, that we saw in flashes in 2019. Ooh, Tim, so what's your take on Robles? We uh, I don't want to leave you out the discussion. Oh no problem. I agree with everybody. I mean. I think he's definitely pressing. He's definitely trying to do more um, to help the team that the team's struggling at the plate and everybody wants to kind of break, break through. I, th- I think a, a big thing with Robles, at least batting was when he was just coming up, um, you know, he was able to kind of surprise a lot of pitchers and he wasn't, he wasn't really keyed on by the pitching staff of the other teams but after that, you know, having some success, uh, pitchers start to get the book on him. And like you said, they realize uh, if they go upstairs, he's going to he's gonna chase and he's going to strike out. And I think it's just he, he needs to make the next adjustment. And um, I don't, you know, it's, it's not good that he hasn't because this is the year he really needs to make a jump if he's ever going to be a, 
a really good major league hitter and you just kind of have a question about him, but I mean, you got to play him and see if he can get through it. He's got enough potential. You can't, it's not like they can bench him. So put him out there every night, see what happens. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we see, I guess we get spoiled with watching Juan Soto and the patience he has at the plate being so young. And you wish that, you know, all young hitters had that patience. So I guess I got to put that some in my equation too, because I know I'm spoiled by Juan Soto and, and what he does at the plate, the confidence that he has, the great eye that he has for the strike zone and the patience that he has, even when he's earning walks, when they don't want to pitch to him, he's not chasing. And when they get something in his sweet spot, he's knocking it out the park. So I guess I got to put some of that into the equation also. Yeah, you can't all be soda. Right. Yeah. Carol, right. do you want, I can actually project the uh, upcoming schedule up on the screen. Do you want me to do that real quick and then we can walk through it? I was just about to do that. Robbie, that's, that's why that's probably a great well, We've done this for five years, right? <laughs> we, 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 no. All right. Um, so uh, we got this live Pirates game uh, that's a 3-2 that we've been talking about. Uh, tomorrow there's a 7:05 game. Oh, I have to switch my screen. Hold on. There we go. All right. Um, so sorry. It's a tomorrow 7:05, a 4:05 game on Wednesday, uh, June 16th. Uh, then we switch. We have a day off on Thursday, and then it's a series against the Mets. Where uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it's four games. It's one on Friday at 7:05, and then there's a matinee 1:05. And then there's a 605. And for those who don't know, because uh, there's a couple of people who don't know about baseball rules uh, in my chat here, uh, they play two seven inning games now when it's a doubleheader, which is a new ish thing because of COVID. Uh, so uh, two seven inning games on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's a 105 game, another matinee game. Uh, so it'll be an interesting. Uh, series uh, here there's three games against the pirates hopefully we win this one tonight and then four games against the mets so carol i'll let you uh ask the guys what their thoughts are on that i'm glad you wrote that down robbie so i wrote down the times i didn't even pay attention that was a double header so i'm glad you broke that down because i had messed that all up um three games against pittsburgh like we mentioned tonight there you know looking to secure this game it's the bottom of the eighth josh bell at the plate one out two one count Looking in, he's looking like he want to take it deep right now. You can even look at him and tell he wants to go deep. Playing his former team. Exactly. Right. And uh, hopefully they should be able to, uh, I know Brian Savin, but he paid his to Pittsburgh. Right? So Brian said that uh, Pittsburgh isn't too good right now. So I'm hoping for a sweep of Pittsburgh to try to get these guys uh, going in the right direction, being uh, eight games under 500. And then the four games versus the Mets, who are surprisingly leading the East, that'll be a, a huge thing if they can, you know, split or win three out of four or maybe sweep if they can get consistent after playing these Pirates and hopefully, you know, getting some confidence and getting some hitting going. So it's an opportunity to gain some ground in the division and to gain some consistency, you know, with a lesser opponent coming in for these first three games before they face the Mets. So. All we can do is be optimistic and uh, hope for 500 or above week. Yep. Sounds good. Um, all right, Tim, any thoughts on uh, the upcoming schedule? I would love uh, a five and two week because I think, especially if you can take three out of four against the Mets and then win the Pittsburgh series, including tonight, um, you pick up some games on the division leader 
and they get they creep a little bit closer to 500. So I'm not going to predict that. I think um, four and three is more likely, but um, you, they need to make a move soon. Like Brian was saying, uh, if, if it's the end of June and they're still, you know, eight, 10 games under 500, I don't think they're going to come back from that. So TikTok. Right. Brian, any thoughts? Well, um, some good news about the Met series is it looks like they're going to avoid Jacob deGrom, uh, which is good because uh, Jacob deGrom is right now more dominant than any pitcher, arguably, in baseball history. And um, I still want him tested, Brian. I still want dude, him Dude, he's a cheat code. He's a cheat code. He's unbelievable. <laughs> he's an un, animal. Look, I don't like the Mets either, but I'm totally willing to admit Jacob deGrom is unfair. Uh, yeah. But the bad news is that the rest of the Mets pitching staff is actually not bad. Marcus Stroman's been good. Taiwan Walker's been good. They're getting a lot of their key pieces back. They just took two out of three this weekend against the Padres. Uh, and I was watching their game against the Cubs a little bit earlier tonight, and they were beating the Cubs, who are also on fire right now, too. So the Mets are legitimately a good team. So uh, I think this is going to be a, I think that's going to be a tough series. Four games against the Mets is not going to be easy. Uh, so win the Pirates games for sure. I think they're going to end up spl- – I'll say they'll split against the Mets, but definitely try and win at the bare minimum two out of three against Pittsburgh or at least sweep because Pittsburgh sucks. They're garbage. Got it. All right. Well, thank you guys for helping us break down this baseball talk. And so, Carol, do you want to talk hockey uh, with us? Or um, and if you do, um, we can keep Brian on because I know that he said that he would talk hockey for a few minutes with us as well. Um, do you have yeah, anything more about baseball? Yeah, I stay on for hockey. Uh, I know y'all gonna talk basketball, and like I said, I'm having some uh, battery issues over here. So yeah, I'll probably stay on for hockey and probably bounce after that. That's perfect, uh, Tim. I don't think you've watched either of the hockey series, right? Since the no, I'll, I'll jump after basketball. All right. Yeah. Why don't? Well, why don't? I'll I'll just interview them, and then you come back for basketball talk. We're gonna do oh, the it's hockey. The first. Okay, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. fine. All right, cool. Um, all right, I'm going to actually share my screen again because I have um, some uh, NHL playoff uh, screen. Let me see if I can get this to work correctly. There we go. Um, all right, so the the series uh, that it ended up being is it's going to be the Golden Knights and the, um, the Canadians who are playing right now. It's actually one uh, nothing. Uh, in that game live and then the Islanders lightning and the Islanders are uh, up one, nothing in that series. Uh, so it's a, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, the only favorite team to make it was the golden Knights. Um, the Canadians were a big surprise in the North. Uh, the Islanders have played very well under Barry trots. Uh, Carol and I talked last week about uh, how we're supportive of Barry trots. Um, but I'll, you know, it didn't work out with him, you know, getting him long-term, but I think that's just as much our fault as it is his. I don't blame him necessarily for that. Um, you know, he's just making do with what he's got. Uh, so I, I think he's still the greatest coach in Capitals history. Uh, so I'm not going to hold it too much against him. Um, and then the lightning who uh, the Islanders played the lightning in the semifinal round last year, it was called the Eastern conference finals uh, back then. Uh, this is the final four. So they just call it the semifinals this year. Uh, and then uh, the Golden Knights in that Canadian series, uh, which I, I want to put on in a second, but I'm actually watching uh, the end of a very exciting uh, basketball game and this baseball game. So uh, too many sports going on right now. 
Um, but uh, just basically, uh, Carol, how surprised are you that the lowest uh, point in team in all of hockey made it to the semifinals in the Canadians and it looked pretty good? They're getting hot at the right time. You know, they, uh, uh, what, uh, it was a Winnipeg series before, which was, uh, wasn't expected. And they're getting hot at the right time. You got Carey Price, who's a quality goalie. He's locked in and they're finding ways to win. And that's what playoff time is, is about hockey. You know, you never know what team is going to get hot at the right time. We saw what happened with the Capitals in 18 when they, you know, they were good during the regular season, but they took it to a whole nother level in the playoffs and stepped their game up. And that's what uh, Montreal, you know, has done throughout the playoffs. And, you know, they're, they're looking like they're legit because, you know, we said our pick was uh, the Islanders versus the Golden Knights. It looked like uh, Montreal got something to say about that. Right, we'll see. I mean, um, so far they're losing one nothing, but the Golden Knights are are a really good team. Um, uh, and I was impressed with how uh, they beat the Avalanche um, in in that series. Uh, the Hurricanes. Um, we have a friend Ryan on Twitch uh, who's a big Hurricanes fan, and I I feel for him because I really thought that the Hurricanes it was going to be their season to take down the Lightning, but the Lightning took care of them pretty easily. I mean, even shutting them out in the final game. I guess that was a little bit surprising, uh, but uh, the Lightning are for real. I don't understand how a team could be this far against the cap, though. Like they are like 14 million above the cap, Carol, because of some bullshit that they were able to get some extra players during the season while people are on long-term injury. But there is no cap in the playoffs, so they just get unlimited players with crazy cap numbers. Like they're gonna have to close this loophole, but talk about taking advantage of a system like holy shit like i mean it's just like an all-star team kind of sounds like the yankees <laughs> it does but <laughs> watch it <laughs> <laughs> but it's true but in hockey it's not supposed to be able to happen like you just get a tax in baseball like in hockey it's supposed to be a hard cap you know it's not supposed to be able to even happen at all uh so that's that's rough carol what are your thoughts on uh, the lightning uh, you know, they, they won it last year. Without, without, um, you know, one of their big players. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, they've Lucas. definitely been, you know, the cream of the crop during the regular season and they've been running over people, you know, in the playoffs playing their brand of hockey, but with trots and that defense, man, I mean, defense wins championships. If the defense, you know, takes them out of their groove and they're not, you know, scoring like they, used to scoring that's another whole pressure on them they're like okay what's going on you know we've beaten teams you know getting scoring seven goals eight goals sometimes and now you know we're struggling they know it's the playoffs but that trust defense man we, we saw firsthand when that defense is locked in and they and they buying in they get a lead and game over and we saw that with the capitals when they get a lead late in the game you know we was like it's done deal that's at least that's the way i felt you know on that championship run like if they get a lead at any point in the third, they're going to lock it down and shut the other team down, and they're going to win the game. And once they're buy, once they buy into that, it's the sky's the limit. And I don't, I think, are buying into that. And yeah, we're going to see an interesting series. <coughs> yeah, for sure. And then, I mean. The Islanders. I'm sorry, Carly is my moderator in chat. She's a diehard Bruins fan, but the Islanders—they just 
they are a vicious team. I mean, when they took out Pittsburgh first uh, and then uh, Boston, I just think they're just this group of gritty players. And I know that Brian has adopted them for this playoffs, which I think is a very strange thing to do as a Rangers fan. Oh, get over it. (laughs) Get over it. Hockey's my fifth favorite sport. I don't care. Carol, it'd be like going to become a Penguins fan, right? No, it's not. Get over it. You don't think the Islanders and Rangers consider themselves the biggest rival? Of course they do, but I don't care (laughs) about hockey enough to like really care at all. Like get over it. That's my message to anybody who cares about me rooting for the Islanders. I don't care what you think. I'm doing it. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Only reason I root for the Islanders is Barry Trotz. Yes, yeah, I love Barry Trotz. Look, this is a very likable Islanders team, in my opinion. They've got some great players. Like, I love Barzal. I love Bovillier. I love Pajot. These guys are, like, gritty players. And, like, I'm really enjoying watching them play. And, you know, the Knicks are out. I need something to get behind. So, I was like, screw it. I'll just root for the Islanders. And, look, I like Barry Trotz, too. I agree with everything you guys have said about Barry Trotz. He is an incredible coach. And without him, the Islanders aren't in the semifinals for the second straight year. And I think they're going to win this time. I really do. Like, I think that they match up well with this Tampa Bay team. I think the Islanders are better than they were last year. Um, at, 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 in the playoffs, they, they made some great trades during the regular season. So I think the Islanders are in a great position to beat Tampa Bay. And I thought game one was a great game that went right down to the wire. And, um, I'm excited for game two tomorrow. For sure. I, I want to give a quick little shout out live. Uh, Justin Ferry just rated me on Twitch. I don't know, Carol, if you know how that works, but people, you know, send their people to your feed. And now th- we have a whole bunch of a new audience watching our show that wasn't watching before. So that's very cool of Justin. Uh, he is a Penguins fan, which is ironic that I was making that comparison while that was happening. Uh, but he says, screw the Islanders because he's a Penguins. <laughs> I, can, I can understand that. Feeling, I get it. Uh, there. Uh, happy belated birthday, Justin. Um, uh, we had fun on your birthday stream. But yeah, so uh, I appreciate people chiming in and uh, enjoying the hockey talk uh, here live. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. All right, let's just get back into this, up, you know, this, the current series, the, the semifinals uh, Islanders lightning uh, Carol, I'll start with you. Um, I'm going to stop the screen share for a second, but uh, what are your thoughts, Carol, on uh, this Islanders lightning series? How do you see it going right now? It's, it's only uh, the, the Islanders did win the first game in Tampa Bay. Yeah, like I told you, uh, I'm, I'm riding with uh, the Islanders for the whole thing. I'm a Trots fan. I feel like, you know, we, talk, we spoke about it briefly that the Capitals made a mistake not re-signing them. I mean, I like I said, you know more about the hockey front office stuff than I do. I'm a football guy that knows all about how that works. So, you know, you know about the intricacies and how the cap work and all that with the coach. But to me, it makes no sense not to resign the guy that just took you to the promised land for the first time in your franchise. You know he wanted to be here. You know, he you had do it for five years at, at any cost. I mean, he took you to the promised land. Somewhere we had never got where you won all the, the all I, the I just some people had trouble with the terms, the number of years, and that was where the, the debate you, came in. You won all the series on the road. Only what four other teams in NHL history has he didn't get out of the second round in any other year. And I'm just playing devil's advocate. And they wanted to fire him like three weeks before the end of the season. And that's the thing. And he still persevered and got this team somewhere they never, they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh 
two to one in overtime. How many heartbreaking overtime losses have we seen to Pittsburgh? And then the fact that going to the conference finals and beat the Lightning and shut them out the last two games of the series to win the series on their home ice, and then to go to the conference finals and one uh, 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 one bad call on Reeves not getting hit for the cross check in the paint from a sweep of the Golden Knight Vegas in their first time, your second time going to the Stanley Cup. And this man did all that in a four-year span. And you try to tell me you can't open your wallet up and give him the benefit of the doubt to say it for well, a workout. It's, it's funny because they open their wallet for their NBA coaches, but Leonsis doesn't do it for the NHL, which makes no and sense to me. Done jack nothing about getting <laughs> to a championship, but then you don't want to, you want to shortchange the hockey guys. I don't understand it. And that goes into more of my bias for the NBA. Damn it, Ted, cut it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's just funny because those fan bases, though, there is a fractured Wizards and Capitals fan bases that clamor and complain about management and have different opinions about all this and what should be the focus. Uh, you know, it. You know, we cover both teams. Of course, I'm a fan of both teams, but uh, it's interesting to hear fans talk about the other team when they're not a fan of them, right? When they're just a basketball or just a hockey fan and what they expect from Ted uh, to do um, in this. So, well... We'll see how it goes going forward. There was a lot of injuries. I was looking at the injury report for the Capitals. Uh, you have a 50% Ovechkin, Backstrom, Eller, you know, you got Kuzi, you know, flirting with COVID all the time. You've got, um, you know, Samson off our goalie having, you know, COVID issues. I mean, to lose your top three centers, your leading goal scorer and your best defender and your goalie, most teams couldn't compete, you know? I forgot. I got some inside information. I can't really name drop because I've run into some folks that have some ties with the Capitals, and I'm really not supposed to say nothing, but the Koozie incident with him supposedly getting COVID for the second time. Or third time. Third time. Let's just say uh, <laughs> let's just say it wasn't COVID-related. Mm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So we were talking about who would be left open for the expansion draft. And from what I'm hearing, after that, I think pretty much, yeah, he's going to be put out there. Will Will Seattle take him though? Yeah, that, that's it. That's the big question. But after what I got, some inside information that it, it, it wasn't a positive COVID test. It was a, another positive test. Oh, that I really like. I said I'm not supposed to really speak on it, but yeah. it's, I got it, this. Is like he's, I said, he's back on the ski slopes, is what we're saying, yeah, right? It, yeah, it's second hand, but. It's a reliable source. So, yeah. Well, the, uh, he usually uh, played I, better when he was on the ski slopes, but you know, it's um, you know, it, it, not this time, I guess. So, um, anyway, all right. Well, that's some interesting intel. So, yeah, uh, some interesting games coming up. Just wanted to talk about the upcoming. Basically, it's every other day. Um, uh, so the Islanders and Lightning uh, will play tomorrow at eight, and the Canadians Golden Knights play Wednesday at nine. Uh, Lightning Islanders on Thursday at 8, Golden Knights Canadians Friday at 8, uh, Game uh, 4 between the Lightning and the Islanders is Saturday, and Game 4 between Golden Knights and Canadians is Sunday, uh, and then uh, Carol can uh, give you an update on how the, both those series are doing at that point. So again, the Golden Knights are up one nothing end of the first uh, in, uh, in game one there. Also, very close basketball game. I haven't even given a scoring update in this one. Uh, the 76ers... Fantastic game. Yeah, the 76ers are down one point 
uh, to the Atlanta Hawks with 3.23 left uh, in the fourth quarter. So we'll be highlighting that game for sure in the NBA roundtable in just a few moments. Uh, so many great sports going on. Uh, a, a great strikeout right there uh, by the Nationals, uh, who are still up 3-2, to two, top of the ninth now with one out. Um, and, uh, Carol, real quickly, let's just talk about the other series, and then um, uh, we'll uh, let you go. The Canadians and uh, the Vegas series. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on uh, those two teams? Uh, like I said, Montreal is playing good hockey at the right time. Um, I think Carey Price is going to get locked in and might, you know, do what he did the series before and just become like a wall out there. So it's about Montreal stepping up Vegas. You know, they've been there. They was at the Stanley Cup final versus the Capitals. So they have some experience in there. So they know what has to be done. It's the question is, is Montreal going to be able to put it together and consistently in this round as they did in the previous round? Yeah, we just got a, a second out there at top of the ninth. That's exciting. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on the surprising uh, Habs run here to uh, make it the farthest and the first time a Canadian team has played an American team all season? Yeah, I'm really I'm really happy they opened the border up and that they're allowed to travel across the border for this series. Um, Montreal has been a really surprising story. I think it's kind of funny how Winnipeg swept Edmonton and then Winnipeg got swept by Montreal. <laughs> and it kind of has me wondering, is this going to be a sweep? Is Vegas going to sweep Montreal? Is it going to be a sweep, sweep, sweep? We so, had that last year, right? In that crazy playoffs in the East? I, I don't remember, but... Um, I think that there was a sweep, sweep, sweep in the East last year. I'm going to pull it up. It would be, it would be funny to see. Um, I think Vegas is much better than Montreal. I obviously don't really watch either of these teams a whole lot, but just from what I've seen in the playoffs... Vegas looks really good. I was impressed with their comeback against Colorado, not only in the series as a whole, but they came back from two, nothing down in the third period in game five and won in overtime. So uh, I've been impressed with Vegas this whole postseason. Uh, I think they're going to, I think it's going to be a pretty easy series. Honestly, I think they're going to take care of Montreal. Uh, yeah, probably. No, I guess it wasn't. I thought, I don't know what I, what I was thinking. Maybe it wasn't that playoffs, but I did remember there being a bunch of sweeps in a row and being like, everyone keeps on sweeping each other. Uh, but yeah, cause uh, Carolina, no, I guess they weren't swept either, but anyway, I don't know what I was thinking of, but it, it is, uh, there were a lot of lopsided series last year in the, each of the rounds and uh, teams did just go out pretty quickly. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll let Carol uh, break those uh, series or at least uh, a update on those uh, series uh, next week. Uh, and we'll uh, monitor that. Do you, either of you guys have anything more to talk about hockey or um, uh, are we, we can stay here also for the final out of the Nats game. It's two, two, two outs, top of the ninth. Uh, if the Nats get one more strike here, uh, they will actually win this game live on sports and Hill podcast. So uh, Carol, we got to keep you here. To the end of the baseball game, which is good. And I'm hoping Brayhan can get this strikeout in this game. And the pitch. Oh, it's a it's a pop back. It's a good thing. And it's an out. And there it is. All right. That's a good way to start the series. Seven games under 500 now. 3-2 Schwarber with the game winning solo home run in the bottom of the eighth, I believe to give the Nats the 3-2 victory, something hopefully they can build off of going into tomorrow. They did that with – they actually had less hits than the Pirates. The Pirates had seven hits. The Nationals got three runs on only six hits. 
And the Pirates did have an error in there as well. But, um, you know, that's always interesting uh, went to win with so few hits. You know, six hits isn't a lot in a nine-inning game. So, No doubt. Yeah, we got to get some more consistent hitting. Uh, Harrison has to, to get himself together. Josh Bell, he's cooled off a little bit. Schwab was starting to heat up. Trey still being consistent at the plate as always. Soto starting to round back in the form after his still on the IL. So, like I said, it's still time. Seven games under 500. Uh, you know, they got the Mets before. They can, you know, like I say, win two of those, three of those, and then right back in. Yeah, indeed. Um, all right, I'm trying to switch to hockey on the other TV. Oh, it did not work. Um, all right, well... <laughs> So, Carol, it's 98-97 um, with 120 left in the fourth quarter here. The 76ers are up by one, and Atlanta makes the bucket. So now they're down by one with a minute 17 in this. Um, uh, Carol, Wall, uh, do you have any final things that you want to talk about before we let you go? Uh, no, as always, appreciate you guys tuning in, checking out some of the best D.C. sports coverage around. Uh, we love breaking it down for you guys. And we love you guys tuning in. Robbie, appreciate you bringing in a new Twitch audience. All you guys checking this out. Go follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Sports OTHP. Uh, go follow my uh, YouTube channel. I'll be streaming on my feed again next week, as always. Carol Porter III with three eyes, not the number three. Uh, check out SportsOTHP.com, the website. Check out the great merch that Robbie got on the District of Champions, the backdrop that I got in the back. Or you can inbox me, hit me up for the Sports OTHP Apparel. We're partnering up with Eric Kusa, another uh, faction that we have, another partner that we have. Uh, if you're in the market for a new user pre-owned certified vehicle, come holler at me down in Waldorf on the 2450 Crane Highway down in Waldorf. Got new used pre-owned certified vehicles. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, check out at the Bar Radio, Sunday, 6 o'clock. Uh, talk current events, politics, sports independent music, entertainment, news. And this upcoming Sunday for Father's Day, we're having a cookout. We're actually going to try to get some real fathers to come out that is actually involved in their child's life and, so, and you know, be proud of being a father. You know, Mother's Day, they get all the spectacular stuff. All the fathers get is the big piece of chicken or he got to get on the grill and throw down on the grill for his day. So we want to celebrate the fathers as actually being real fathers in their kids' lives. So be sure to check us out Sunday night, 6 o'clock at the bar radio. Uh, if you're interested in coming through studios in Alexandria, bring some food, bring some uh, adult beverages and come on through and have a great show with us and be part of the studio audience. That's awesome. I, I do love it. So you can check that out on his YouTube channel. Um, and all the links are also on our Facebook. Uh, always follow Carol there again, sportsothp.com has links to everything. We share stuff across all of them. You can get Carol's YouTube channel. Uh, you can get my YouTube channel. I just posted a cute video of, uh, Zach at his first baseball game. We talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, and live on Twitch, uh, Car uh Carly's doing a great job giving all of the social media links and people want to have more information on any of that. So I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, Carol, thank you so much. We'll get into some basketball talk here. Uh, and uh, next week, you'll be running the show. Next week, I'll have the week off. So we won't have any live Twitch uh, feed, uh, but you can definitely check us out facebook.com slash sports OTHP or actually check out Carol's uh, page as well. Um, and uh, uh, you can get all that stuff if you want to watch it over there or on his YouTube channel, as always. So thank you, Carol. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week. 
Yeah, I'll be easy, Brian. I'm here just for baseball talk next week and probably have Paul the boxing guy on breaking down the latest boxing news and everything. So appreciate y'all as always. Tim, Brian, appreciate y'all coming early, coming on early to talk baseball. And uh, I'll wrap to y'all next week. Yeah, it's funny. Is Brian, if he does that, would actually be broadcasting live from the man cave because he's watching the oh, man cave for me. There will be man cave representation next Monday. Yeah. Don't so, worry about that. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I agree. Well, I see y'all guys next week. Sounds, sounds good. good, man. All right, later. All right, sounds good. All right, let's bring in our NBA roundtable. We're going to cover the late, the end of a fourth quarter. It's very exciting live. I see Champ is in the house and Tim, and we're also going to bring in Arun uh, from a uh, probably undisclosed uh, location. Um, so uh, we'll see about where, where he wants to travel in from. But uh, Philly is down right now, 98 to 101. Uh, they have the ball. They're driving. Embiid drives in deep. Uh, he gets hacked. Uh, do they call it? Yes. Okay. So Embiid's going to go to the line to shoot two. They're down three, 40.3 seconds. Um, and uh, Champ, how are you doing tonight? I, I'm good. Uh, Tim, what's up with the name? <laughs> you, you miss Barry that much, man? Yeah. I had to, I had to comment on the uh, previous conversation. Just get my time. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Anyone who missed it, if they're just tuning into the NBA segment, um, uh, we were talking about Barry Trotz and how uh, the Capitals royally fucked up and they didn't keep him. Um, I think we all can, uh, can see that now. Um, and if you go on any Capitals message boards, they will tell it to you, you're blue in the face. <laughs> um, so, um, all right. So there we go. I got a rune. Nice. A rune has got a beautiful bridge behind him. Is that the Golden <laughs> State Bridge? This uh, golden gate bridge i'm gonna press right golden. now sorry nice <laughs> nice all right um oh, i'm trying to see if i can shrink this down to size to fit your giant bridge in the shot um all right so that's pretty good i got it all right um let's break down this game real quickly again it's a two-point game 40.3 seconds i believe with a free throw coming uh arun have you been watching any of this epic uh matchup yeah i've been watching trey young has been struggling from the field but the fourth quarter john collins got them back into it and trey young did hit a couple free throws just now and turnovers are bringing the hawks back into this game the 76ers are kind of choking a little bit down the stretch in the fourth quarter but we'll see what happens it's still um a really close game right yeah, it's uh, been an exciting uh, matchup for sure. Let me, um, I'm going to break out my, see if I can switch screens over here, and then I'm going to share the screen, um, and we can talk about some of the different matchups and how they've shaped up uh, while they have a commercial break live. All right, so um, let's see, we're going to zoom in. Does that work-ish? Yeah. Sure. All right. Um We've got four series. We've got uh, Utah leading 2-1 over the Clippers. Uh, Phoenix crushed Denver in that series, 4-0. This game is pretty exciting right here because if Atlanta can hold on, they will tie the series at 2-all. And Milwaukee uh, and the Nets are tied 2-2. So some interesting things, though. the, I would say the East has been much closer than the West so far. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Clippers can tie it up uh, in their next game, uh, which I believe is uh, – is that 
it's later tonight, right? Yeah. So, oh yeah, next on I can I can read on uh, the TV. Um, so yes, uh, so that game is a little bit later this evening. Um, so uh, I'm gonna let each one of you guys break down the series that you want to break down. I know that Arun's seen all of them, so I'm gonna start with Arun's take on each series, and then uh, I'll let anybody who wants to comment on that series uh, get an opportunity to do so. I'm gonna stick it here with the end of this game, though. 35 seconds left. Uh, and Atlanta has the ball. They are up by one. There's 15 left on the shot clock. Um, and they're at the top of the circle. It's still 10 seconds left. They have not made their move. We'll see. And he holds up his dribble. I don't know. This is interesting to see if they, this is going to fail for them. Yeah. And it is, it's a turnover. Uh, so they give the ball right back to the 76ers. I think that was a poorly designed play and i think they waited too long to start it arun what was some of your takeaway on i i think lack of ball movement to start that uh last possession yeah i think the hawks want to try to kill some clock and um capella kind of choked away the, the possession i guess he it bounced off his hands throughout the game in the first half he'd been playing kind of shack was calling kind of soft i'm gonna go that far but he hasn't been, he's been like a non-factor offensively in this game. And that was another turnover. And maybe, I guess they should just keep running their offense, try to get a good look and they can hold the ball longer, but that was not a really good, even with a couple I felt like momentum was, yeah, momentum was just slipping through their fingers on that. I was like, the longer you held it at the top of the key, I was like, this isn't going to do what they want it to do. Uh, Tim, overall, what were some of your thoughts on uh, this game um, and how it's gone on? Well, Philly had an amazing uh, second quarter. They shot the ball really well and built up a double-digit lead. So I was kind of surprised that Atlanta came back in the third and fourth quarter because, um, you know, we saw Philly kind of build up first-half leads against the Wizards, and uh, the Wizards weren't able to um, come back at all. So I was impressed with Atlanta coming back and this game is way better than I assumed uh, it would be at halftime. It's, you know, one of the best really this round, I would say, but um, I think, uh, you know, Philly will win this series, no matter, even if they lose tonight, but um, it could go six or seven if they do lose tonight. And that would, that would be better for uh, the round table, better for the fans. Yeah. Um... This is an interesting play right here. Champ, did you just see what happened in this game? I think it was a pretty poor play coming back by Philadelphia. They had an opportunity down low, uh, but they couldn't uh, finish. And uh, it's out of bounds. They're going to review it to see who it was last touched by. But uh, Champ, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, Philadelphia here down the stretch? Well, I mean, there's a reason why the 76ers are the number one team in the Eastern Conference. They're tough out, clearly. Uh, the Wizards, unfortunately, had to find that out the hard way. And, but Atlanta is definitely keeping this very, very close and keeping this very, very competitive. But I mean, but the problem is that how much can they take of the physical nature of the 76ers and how well they play defense? They may make some boneheaded plays here and there, but their defense is so good that those boneheaded plays are basically matched up by such lockdown defense. So I feel like even if Atlanta, I agree with Tim, even if Atlanta wins this game tonight, I think Philly still takes it in six or maybe the seven. But I think that, that Philly will win this series. They're just so, they're just too tough, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're just too tough. Right. Simmons just, uh, I think, did touch that last. So uh, we'll see uh, if that's 
ultimately what it, what is called. Uh, Tim, what are, what are your thoughts on Philadelphia down the stretch here? I mean, they, they're not showing a lot of composure. I think it's probably the, the fans in Atlanta are surprisingly uh, really good this postseason. Um, I think they've given the Hawks a big advantage. Even in, at the end of the regular season, the Hawks play great home basketball. So, uh, you know, Phillies still has a chance in this game, but they they did really kind of choke it, and they have their, themselves to blame. But the fact is a lot of things had to go right for Atlanta to possibly just eke out a victory. So um, clearly they, you know, like everyone's saying, they should win the series, but I don't know if they can win the finals if they're going to play like this, um, you know, farther into the postseason. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what are some of your thoughts on uh, on how this game is going? Uh, it's been a great game. I agree with what everybody said. Uh, this has been, without a doubt, one of the best games of the second round. I thought it was over in the first half. Philly looked really good in the first half. Uh, but Atlanta has come on really strong, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's been an exciting finish. Uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. And I will remind you that I am a solid 30 seconds behind you because I do not have cable. Right. That's why, I, shockingly, I went to you last on, on yeah, that rotation. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. Let's uh, just briefly talk about some of the other series uh, while we're still at commercial break because we know how the end of fourth quarters go. Um, let's talk about this Brooklyn uh, Bucks uh, series. Brian, I'll let you start off uh, with uh, what your thoughts are on uh, the series that's now tied 2-2. Uh, I think this has been a pretty interesting series. Uh, Brooklyn won the first two games pretty easily. Uh, James Harden got hurt in game one, and you figured they'd still be okay because they had uh, Katie and Kyrie. Game three was really low scoring, and um, Giannis and Chris Middleton combined for, I believe, 79% of uh, the Bucks points. Um, Holiday hit the game-winning bucket in game three. Uh, the Nets uh, missed the, Durant missed the three at the end, and they lost 89 to 86. Um, and there was this weird incident, this really weird incident that I don't think a lot of people are talking about for some reason, where Kevin Durant was getting into it with P.J. Tucker of the Bucks, and out of nowhere, they were going nose to nose. They were arguing with each other, and out of nowhere, Kevin Durant's personal bodyguard runs on the court and just checks P.J. Tucker. Like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like that should not be allowed to happen. And it's another reason why I hate the Nets. They need their own personal bodyguards to stand up to them. But it's stupid, stupid, stupid. And then in, in game four, Kyrie Irving gets hurt. And now that could change the whole trajectory of the series. Because now the Bucks won game uh, so the Bucks won game four. And now Kyrie Irving's out and James Harden's out for game five. Kevin Durant is going to, in my opinion have to absolutely put the Nets on his back in game five if they want any chance to win this series. He's going to have to have one of the best games of his career because without Harden and without Kyrie, I really don't think it's possible for the Nets to win this series. I think the Bucs are a better team than the Nets without those two. And um, if they are out for an extended period of time, which it looks like they're going to be, I personally think the Nets are done. And I love to see it. Yes, I'm sorry to spoil, um, but I'm, I'm, it's a very exciting end to this game uh atlanta makes two free throws philadelphia has a chance but uh atlanta can you uh, hold off hold off hold off okay we'll let, we'll let brian uh, do the play but, uh, uh, yeah. okay i see i've seen it now it's over okay uh Arun, what, do you want to explain what happened at the very end of that uh yeah the 
um, the Sixers got a pretty good look given the circumstances from Curry from deep and he missed it and hit off the rim and um, it's going to be all tied 2-2 going forward. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, and Flurry just made an incredible save uh, and Vegas has scored uh, recently again. So now they're up 2 nothing in uh, that game in the second period. Uh, so, uh, yeah, big win for Atlanta to tie that series up uh, 2-2. Um, uh, champ, uh, do you, do you have any thoughts on uh, the Brooklyn Bucks series? Not really. I haven't really been paying much attention to this series. My focus is more on the Western conference series and how competitive they are. But I mean, this one right here, this series, just by looking at it on paper, just looks like it's been even matchup. But, you know, based on what Brian's been saying, if you don't have Durant in there for an extended period of time. I think it's, it's Harden, Harden and Irving. Harden. Durant will be playing. Okay, so Harden and Irving. So if you don't have both of them in the lineup, I think that Giannis and, and company, I think they can they can very well take this series and, and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, that's the most I could say about that one without without having really watched a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, Tim, do you have any uh, any final thoughts on uh, the? The Bucks versus uh, Brooklyn series. Before I switch over to the the Western side, no, I just think it's going to be a great game because I think Durant can put the team on his back. It's just going to help him that uh, it's in Brooklyn. Um, I think Milwaukee will win, but it's going to be a very close game, and whoever wins that is going to take the series. So I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Milwaukee even wins in six, which would be kind of crazy. But um, it's it's been a great series so far. I do hope that Brooklyn gets healthy, though, because it'll make the end of the series better. Yeah. Arun, any final takeaway on this series? Yeah, the, um, I agree with Tim. Like, it could be a close game. Um, more of an adjustment period for Steve Nash. Like, with Kyrie Irving just going down suddenly, it gives them a chance to actually have a full game plan. Jeff Green also coming back. Um, Blake Griffin didn't play in the second half of that game. We'll see if he comes back and plays. That was another big loss for them. Maybe he's injured, but I think, yeah, I agree with Tim. It could be a close game, and we'll see what Steve Nash can do. And everyone said he has an easy coaching job, but now he's going to earn his paycheck. For sure. All right, let's get on to the, the Western side. Uh, Arun, I'll let you have your, your quick take, and then I'm going to get Champ's uh, thoughts on uh, this uh, sweep, this Phoenix Sweet. Um, you want to talk about the Nuggets and Sun series? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was pretty one-sided series. Um, without Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, who helped them get to the conference finals, their backcourt was not up to par with the Suns, who have two All-Star players and Chris Paul and um, Devin Booker. Um, great defense by the Suns throughout the series. Mikel Bridges from Villanova University. He was huge. Um, he had a couple 20-point games. The 76ers regret trading him for essentially nothing, and um, it wasn't really a close series. Jokic got ejected for a swipe-down play, which was kind of awkward because he probably shouldn't have been ejected. At most, it should have been a flagrant one, but that essentially ended the um, Nuggets run. They were down 3-0. They had come down back from three, two, three, one deficits. So maybe they could have made it a series, but it was unlikely given how well the Suns have played. 
recently, and they've won seven straight playoff games for the first time in their franchise history. Wow. Chad, uh, what were your thoughts on this uh, series? So I said it last week. I said I was excited to keep a track of this series because I thought it was going to be, like, really, really competitive. These two evenly matched teams. The Suns just took out the defending champions, and I thought it was going to be a really good series. And, boy, was I disappointed because it just seemed like Denver just did not show up at all. Uh, the first two games, well, the first three games, they basically got blown out for the most part. Only game four was the close one, and that's they still lost that one. Um, Devin Booker and CP3 absolutely just went off in the in the last two games. They went off each of them scoring over 20 points, including uh, game four, where they each scored 30 plus. They absolutely just went off and took over. Denver had nothing at all to counter how good that CP3 and Devin Booker are. And clearly CP3 wants that. He, he, he wants that ring. Chris Paul wants that ring and he's got a good opportunity to get that. He's got a good chance to get that. This team is just absolutely amazing. So hopefully the next series, it'll be a little bit more competitive. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Tim, let's talk about the fact that he gets to um, have the same coach that he had earlier in his career and how this would be kind of a really interesting for them to win it together in a different city. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, Phoenix really has come out of nowhere to be this good in the regular season, get, get the two seed and then um, get to the Western finals uh, relatively easily. But it really even started last year in the bubble because they had a great bubble um, one every game, I think, and but didn't even make make it to the playoff round. So they had a ton of momentum going in and Chris Paul was a somewhat like, I wouldn't say risky trade, but some people thought it wasn't going to work out. He was too old. He's been traded too many times recently, kind of like Westbrook, but it was a great move. And, um, you know, Phoenix was aimless for years and years. Nobody wanted to sign there, but if they could somehow make it to the finals or even win it all, I mean, that could just, turn around the whole franchise so it's a great story and you you know you gotta you want to see paul win a ring yeah uh, before he's done i agree um brian what are some of your thoughts on this story i i thought it was going to be a much closer series than it was uh, i thought denver had a lot of talent even without jamal murray i thought they might be able to hang but you guys said it booker and cp3 are great and uh well, it's kind of funny because you guys remember I when the Wizards traded for Russell Westbrook, I said they had to do it because when you get a chance to trade for a player like Russell Westbrook, you have to do it. Well, Chris Paul is the same thing. When you've got an opportunity to trade for Chris Paul, you have to take it because he makes your team better. This Suns team was already built for success, I feel. They had a good core with Booker and Aiden and all those guys. But to add CP3, a great veteran, arguably one of the best point guards of all time to your team, it's a huge addition. He makes every team he goes to better. Uh, Monty Williams is a great coach. He's the runner-up for coach of the year in the NBA. He was great this year. Uh, I, I like this Sun story. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just going back to what Arun said about the, the flagrant on Jokic, um, I did not personally think that was a flagrant, too. I thought flag, when he did, when I saw, I was watching the game live, and I was like, that's not a flagrant. Like, there's no way he's going to get ejected for that. And he did. 
And I, I thought it was incredibly soft and very unexpected. You, and Stephen A. Smith on ESPN today, I thought, made a pretty good point. You do not throw out the MVP of your league in an elimination game like that for something as soft as that. I thought it was ridiculous, personally. But Suns complete the sweep, and uh, they were definitely the better team than the Nuggets. And uh, no matter who they play next, Jazz to the Clippers, I think it's going to be a great series. Yeah, it's it's interesting that two times this year does a old point guard get reunited with a previous coach from a different team. So it's kind of an interesting storyline um, and parallels with the Wizards there. Right now, the Clippers are up 10 to 2 uh, with nine minutes uh, left in the first quarter here. The Clippers have kind of dominated the early uh, part of this game, but we all know that doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, but um, uh, I did everyone get their thoughts on the Phoenix that wanted to, or did anyone else want to do it? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So we go uh, to, to this series right now, this Utah uh, Lakers or LA Clippers uh, series. Um, Utah is winning two uh, one. Obviously the Clippers are trying to, um, to tie it up here tonight in LA. I'm going to turn off the screen share because people don't need to see it. And my lights are flickering. So we'll see if uh, power lasts and how much longer this podcast goes for. Uh, but, um, and, and uh, anyway, so, okay. For a second, the, the TVs both went black at the same time, but they both went to commercial and it threw me off. All right. So um, anyway, uh, what are your, I'll go around the, the horn and get your thoughts on this series. Um, uh, Champ, uh, do you have uh, any takeaways from this uh, uh, Clippers um, Utah series? Yeah, uh, like I said, this is the other series that, well, I, I started to pay attention to this one as well. Uh, and this has been a pretty good series so far. Uh, Donovan Mitchell in game one was an absolute beast. 45 points. I mean, goodness gracious. Absolute beast. Uh, Jazz looked really good these uh, first three games, even in the loss uh, to the Clippers in game three. They still look good, which is why they're the number one uh, team in the West. But, um, I mean, Kawhi and PG-13, they they also are hungry for, for that ring. I mean, Kawhi already has one, but he wants another one, and he's going to do what he can, and he's got Paul George with him. They're going to do what they got to do, and I think that this is going to be the series. This, is gonna, this series right here, they, whoever wins this series is going to come in with a slight disadvantage because this, this series is going to go long. Because this is going to probably go six, maybe seven games. Just how closely contested these two teams are playing each other. I think this could be a six or seven game series. I think that I think that maybe if, Dev, if uh, Mitchell continues to play the way that he does with this team, I think that the Jazz will take it. And they'll most likely take it in six or seven games instead of a Jazz Suns uh, Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Vegas is on the power play once again. They're up 2-0 uh, in uh, 10.5 minutes left in the second period of this uh, game one of their semifinal. Uh, the Clippers are now at 16-6 to uh, with 7.35 left in the first quarter in that. Um, I'm going to go to Brian. I'm going to go to you next on uh, this uh, series. What are your thoughts on it so far? Uh, well, first off, correction to champ. Uh, Kawhi Leonard actually has two rings, uh, not one. Um, secondly, um, I love this series so far. I just, sorry. I just, I hate doing that, but I, I had, I, I just wanted to get it right. Um, no, please correct me. I don't want to look stupid. I, I, he's got two and two finals MVPs. Um, I, I, this has been a good series so far. Uh, Utah, I 
echo what Champ said. Donovan Mitchell in game one was incredible. He put on a show, and the block by Gobert at the end was absolutely clutch, showing why he's the defensive player of the year. Um, and then, um, but really, I think this Jazz team, as good as they are, and I think this Jazz team is really good. They're definitely banged up. Mike Conley has not played at all this series. Donovan Mitchell was dealing with an injury towards the end of game uh, three. They're banged up, and the Clippers, I think, have been taking advantage. They blew them out in game three. Um, so far off to a good start tonight. Um, this is, a, you know, I think this is a good team, but I, I, I don't know if, if, if it's a long series. I don't know if that's a disadvantage, honestly, because that's been a debate in sports for a long time whether you want to have rest or if you want to go through a long series, like what I think this is going to be. Um, I think that at the end of the day, this is going to be a seven gamer. I think I, I have a feeling they're going to trade wins the rest of the way. And uh, we're going to end up in a game seven in the series. I like, I, it's been a fun one to watch. I think it's very similar to the Bucks net series in the sense that, um, you know, the home team's going to take advantage. I win the first four games at least. And, um, yeah, I, I see this series going at least at least six, possibly probably seven, honestly. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's this will be interesting because the Clippers have never gotten out of the second round, and they but they played their best basketball this postseason at least when their backs have been against the wall, and when they've been down 2-0, um, the game three performance has been their best. So. Maybe uh, they're a little tougher this year. They do have Kawhi, um, who apparently has won multiple championships. So um, they, they have a chance to come back and win this series. I do think the Jazz are better. I think the Jazz will win in seven. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm really curious to see if the, the Clippers can finally break through because they do have the talent, and they have the talent to go all the way if they get through this. So – um, I'm excited to watch tonight and, uh, you know, a couple more games. Right. Yeah. Uh, not many players have won championships on three different teams. Uh, LeBron has done it. How, how, how many other players have even done that? Danny I, I Green. Danny Green. Good point. Yeah. North Carolina guy. Um, he could make it four this year, too. Like yeah. five, four or five total ever. Wait, what was that? There's only like a handful that have ever done it, I think. Yeah, that's. I mean, that would be impressive into itself. I mean, it's tough uh, to Big bounce around Bob. and to do it. Oh yeah, Big Shot Bob. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting series uh, for sure. Arun, uh, do you have any final uh, takeaways on uh, the series? Yeah, I think um, like the Nets series, injuries will play a role probably because I think Mike Conley's been out and he doesn't come back, and Don Mitchell look banged up he and exited game four but he is playing game five but he clearly doesn't look like the same guy has been averaging 28.5 points per game and throughout his playoff career so I think the clip that would make the Clippers slight favorites but as everyone's pointed out the Clippers have had a questionable playoff history even last year they blew a 3-1 lead but Tyron lose a different coach he came back from a 3-1 deficit in 2016 with the Cavaliers so I think they made the adjustment. The Clippers played Terrence Mann. They didn't play him in games one and two inexplicably, but they played him a lot in that Mavs series, and that's why they came back and won. So I think I would have the Clippers as the slight favorites, but it could go either way for sure. Yeah, some interesting matchups 
Um, I know uh, Brian and some people might join CP3 next week. Next week I'm taking off, but I don't know if we'll talk NBA or how much, but I know that in two weeks we'll come back and I will do another round table and we can kind of take a look at that point. It'll be uh, either you know the conference finals or we'll already know the finals. So it'll be interesting to see um, uh, that and break that down in two weeks. Uh, but I'm going to give each one of you guys uh, an opportunity uh, for a final send off. And Arun, um, you wanted to talk a little bit of French Open with me. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I can't see your face though. You're, you're, uh, about now. Yes, there we go. Um, as much as I like talking to your shirt, um, but uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, the uh, let's talk. Um, did any of the rest of you see the French? Any of the French Open? Probably. I heard about that really good match, though. Um, oh, was it Nadal versus Djokovic? I heard that was really good. Yeah, that was a really good yes, one. Yes, I heard about it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a goal, which means that Montreal scored, and they're on the power play. So I turned on the goal horn for Montreal because fuck Vegas. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, Flurry uh, shutout is over. 7.55 left in the second period. Montreal gets on the board. They split that lead in half. Uh, great play. Um, oh, it was off the outside of the net. Um, and then I think it comes back around and, and it scores. Let's see how it. Oh, no, it, uh, it, it bounced around uh in the front it was a great pass uh, that bounced off the goalie and then back to the guy coming uh, down the slot on the left side uh for the goal so a beautiful goal um so that's exciting uh there i didn't know if i'd actually hear the goal horn again this year um uh, so that's his first goal that was cole caulfield's first goal of the uh 2021 playoffs uh right there uh montreal's out score out shooting uh, vegas 17 to 14 right now i believe uh, in that one. All right. So let's talk a little bit of tennis. I only saw the semifinal. I didn't see the final. I was bummed uh, for people who don't know. I'm a big clay tennis fan uh, and I'm a huge Rafael Nadal fan. He had an opportunity to break the tie. He's tied for most championships all the time. He had an opportunity to break it uh, this year at his favorite uh, event, uh, but he just looked a little bit injured in the second half of that and slowed down and Djokovic just came on strong uh, and won uh, some sets convincingly towards the end. Uh, Arun, what was your takeaway in that semifinal game? Yeah, that's a match that could have gone really either way based on a couple of points. Nadal, um, I think in the, I believe it was like the third set, he had the chance to come away with the huge point and Djokovic in like the, it was like a break point or, that he came up with this huge drop shot, which was like completely unexpected. And I think that was the turning point of the match. And Nadal shortly thereafter, he had like a wide open volley to like with a winner, but he just hit it out. And then I think Nadal, I think a couple of points back and forth, Djokovic came up with huge points and Nadal just made some mental errors. And then, yeah, in the um, fourth set, it was like a long match. It was like four hours and 30 minutes. It was pretty long. And um, that injury to Nadal, like, I believe he was like taking off his, his ankle was bothering him. And Nadal hasn't lost that much in the French like open. He's won 13 of them and he couldn't get the 14th. And, and Djokovic, 
is becomes one of the few players to get two Grand Slam um, multiple. He's like one of the few players to one win one of the four majors twice. So it was pretty crazy match. That was probably the real championship. CC Pass was a good match. He was up two sets to zero, but um, Nadal I felt like put more pressure on Djokovic, especially down the stretch. Like Djokovic won that match. Um, the next three sets and he's like 30 and 11 in five set matches. And maybe the only reason he had that much trouble was because um, Nadal pushed him and he came out with low energy, but um, that was the match between Nadal and Djokovic is probably one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's like up there. Yeah, it was incredible. I, um, I was kind of bummed that I was working towards it, but luckily I had an extra screen. So I, I towards the end, I threw it up there, uh, but Liz kept on calling me from the other room was like, how are you not, you know, watching this, you know, right now. And, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting uh, match for sure. And I think it was like the true finals of the French for me, you know, I think that uh, and that happens sometimes the semifinal is really more of a, you know, one of those legendary epic games, especially with Nadal. It's crazy. Nadal, I don't believe, has ever lost to the same opponent twice in French Open history, which is like nuts when you think about it. Um, and so Djokovic is now one away, I believe, from tying Nadal and Federer for total. No, he's already, he just tied them with this. They all have 19 now. Really? I thought one. At least that's really? what they were talking about on PTI today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow men's single well, he was one away before the uh maybe before, that's what after the i mean before the championship but now he's tied with uh federer and nadal at 19. yeah all right you're you're right interesting i don't know why i thought that they that two of them at 20 one had 18 but anyway yeah because he was one behind before so they were saying i think no wait no, during... no no right here it says no on Wikipedia oh, they, right now, Federer and Nadal have 20 and Djokovic oh, okay. is 19. Okay, so now it's one behind. Okay, that makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, can that I... Makes sense, let me see if I can share Sets up screen. an interesting Wimbledon, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, is this the right screen? Can you guys see this? Yeah. So uh, this is the all-time, if people are ever curious. Roger Federer has 20. He's won eight Wimbledon, five U.S. Open, one French, and six Australian. Nadal's won a record 13 French Opens, one Australian, two Wimbledon, and four U.S. Open. And Djokovic has won most of them on Australia with nine, and then two French, five Wimbledon, and three U.S. Opens. So, um, and Sampras is on that list with 14 uh, as well. Uh, but uh, just um, some amazing numbers by all of them. I mean, they'll go down as the three greatest you know, tennis players of our, our lifetime. Um, and... Uh, it's been awesome to watch. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, while um, Arun was going through that, Vegas did score. It's now 3-1 Vegas with 4-14 uh, left in the second. And the Clippers are up 23-10 to 10, uh, in their game right now. But um, Arun, any other uh, sports or things you want to talk about before we let you go? Um, yeah, not much RG3 news right now. Sorry, RG3, you're fired on the US right now. Just making a lot of crazy tweets, but I don't think there's anything newsworthy. Um, looking forward to France versus Germany tomorrow in soccer. Um, so that'll be a good matchup. And 
Um, it could be interesting if it's Islanders versus the Knights in the finals, the GM of the former GM of the Cats versus the former coach of the Cats. So we'll see if that comes to fruition, but still a long way to go in both those conference final series. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's any Redskins news because then we are watching football news, I should say. Um, so we could talk about all the sports. We've talked about almost every one of them. We've had soccer, uh, tennis. Um, I don't follow golf, so I can't help much on that one. But uh, uh, but we've covered a lot uh, tonight. But uh, Arun, uh, thank you so much for joining us as always. And uh, I don't know if you'll be able to join Carol next week, but if not, uh, maybe uh, in two weeks we'll uh, do a big NBA roundtable again and uh, hope that you have a, a good week. Yeah, just the one... Uh, Washington football team now Taylor Heineke put on some weight and he's working out that's all the Washington football team news I have and thanks for having me on <laughs> yeah that, that's all that's here it's um yeah just talking about that he is a strong mini camp <laughs> exciting news on the football front um yeah but uh th- thank you Arun and uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks all right, uh, Tim, I'll let you uh, have the next say. Uh, what, um, any news or anything else that you want to talk about tonight? No, uh, great show tonight. Glad, glad to talk uh, some baseball. It's been a while, not something I do too often. Um, sad that I'll miss uh, the show next week. I'll be in Seattle. I'm going to be scouting homes for uh, Braden Holtby and Coke dealers for Kuznetsov. <laughs> so I'll back to them. Um, they're going to be joining me in Seattle very shortly. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just going on a scouting mission. Right. That sounds good. We're both be in different states. You'll be even farther west than I will be in Texas. So. Um, oh yeah, um, we keep traveling at the same time, time to yeah. way different places. Exactly. Um, so uh, you can like wave to Texas as you pass it or something. Yeah, that's um, true. Uh, but, uh, Tim, thank you as always. Uh, we'll yeah, thanks, talk to you guys. in a couple of weeks. Have a good night. Bye. All right. And, um, all right. We're going to let, uh, Brian, you've got some exciting news coming up on the, uh, on your podcast upon further review with Brian Brennan. I know you didn't have one today, but you are going to have one on Friday. That's really exciting. Let people know uh, what's coming up on your show. Yeah. So, um, I have a friend named, uh, Alex Dunbar who, uh, is a rap. He does, he produces beats. He makes beats for uh, rappers. And, uh, he hooked me up with a friend of his who he's made beats for in the past. He's a rapper by the name of drugs only. Uh, he's from New York. He's made this season. He made two mixtapes about the Knicks. And so on Friday on my podcast, I'm going to have both my friend, Alex Dunbar, and the rapper drugs only on my podcast. We're going to talk rap. We're going to talk Knicks. It's going to be a really good time. It's something I think a little different from what I normally do. I think it's going to be a lot of fun though. So uh, yeah, no episode today, but I'm looking forward to being back on Friday uh, with a pond further review with Brian Brennan, go check out the most recent episode that dropped this past Friday. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Robbie. I appreciate it. And once again, anybody who has a problem with me rooting for the Islanders, get over it. Have a good night. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm trying to decide who I want to uh, raid in a second. So I'm going to um, – I, I thought you could just do vote and then it would come up. I don't know. Oh, it's a poll. Okay, I got it. 
I'm going to try to figure out, uh, well, while I try to figure out who we should raid, Champ, let people know what's coming on the No Spots uh, podcast this week. I know you've been doing a ton, and let people know what's happening on your Twitch channel as well. I'll give you a shout out in uh, Twitch chat uh, as well, uh, but uh, let people know um, uh, what, what you have going on. Well, um, this coming Wednesday, it's another edition of Brussels Chat Wednesdays. Uh, we will be, the topics haven't been determined as of yet. Hopefully I'll figure them out by tomorrow. Uh, but that'll be at around uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time on uh, twitch.tv forward slash through no spots pod. Uh, and hopefully it, we can do a long enough stream that it'll go into what you're doing with uh, with Carly on this channel, uh, on your Twitch channel uh, at 9 p.m. On, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and also this Saturday for the podcast, uh, also going to be streaming on Twitch. We're going to be talking about, re- we're going to be recapping NXT TakeOver in your house, which is an amazing pay-per-view. Uh, we'll be previewing uh, WWE Hell in a Cell 2021, which is taking place this coming Sunday. Uh, of course, we're going to go through the weekend wrestling as well. And so that's what we got for you coming up uh, on those spots. And one last thing I forgot to mention about the Jazz is watching those Jazz highlights. I really miss Boyan Bogdanovich. I miss him so much. I wish he was still here. That's all I got to say. That sounds true. So, um, uh, Champ, I've got to pull up. We've got KR, Ashley Cruz, Natalie Page, Daniel Wayne, all great musicians. I don't know who to pick. Carly's struggling, too. If anyone's in Twitch chat, feel free to click on it. Help me out. All of them I love. They're all, uh, you know, right now. Um, and uh, I-, I see that Carly is going uh, for uh, KR, which she mods for him. So I, I totally appreciate that. Uh, but if anybody else has anything else to say on that, if not, we'll uh, go give KR a little visit here in just a second. Um, but uh, so that poll is up live. I really appreciate everyone for tuning in and the raids today. Uh, and it was awesome that uh, Carly uh, subscribed. She's my first two month subscriber. So that's awesome. Again, thanks to Justin uh, for the, the raid. Um, and uh, so we got two for KR. Uh, I think that's probably where we're going, uh, but I'm down uh, if other people want to pick something else. Uh, We're going to do a merchandise stream, as Carly just uh, posted on our Twitch feed. Um, On this Wednesday at about 9 o'clock, I will be live with Carly. I'm going to try to run three computers simultaneously and design merch and chat with Carly and chat at the same time. Uh, which is a uh, interesting endeavor. Um, it'll be fun to watch me struggle through it. I'll use my work machine uh, to get Photoshop live. I'll use my Mac that I record audio and video on uh, to control chat and to have uh, the live video. And then I'll use the PC to send it out. Um, so that's uh, the multitasking, Robbie. Let me tell yeah, you. there you go. So I this is why I used to be a computer teacher. I can try to run three machines and by doing it on separate machines, hopefully it actually runs very smoothly because none of the computers have to do like all the work. Right. So we'll also have a live, we'll hopefully get two cameras set up uh, by using a zoom and Carly will call in and she can read to me chat a little bit while I'm designing stuff for her. So that way that can help me out a little bit. I know champ, you uh, are going to hopefully join us as well. Uh, And so maybe you Uh can, my plan is to try to run my stream all the way up until your start and raid. That way yes. I can jump into your, your, your stream. That's awesome. And so maybe you can also help in the chat. And I may even have you come on uh, the Zoom as well if, if it's a, a really wild chat and we need even more eyes. But um, cool. yeah, it's, uh, 
it'll be awesome. Uh, I'm happy to bring people from all over my life, uh, Champ uh, and Carly, um, you know, all together. We're going to design some really epic uh, merch uh, for Carly. I'll be using uh, Photoshop. I used to be a Photoshop teacher, so people in chat can ask questions. I can show them what I'm doing. Uh, also, people who have never created a Teespring, I can show them a little bit of behind the scenes. Not all of it. We're going to just look behind the scenes to come up with some ideas of things we want, whether it be mugs or shirts and different materials. Uh, and then we'll design the graphics for it. And then Carly and I will go back offline and do the final uh, you know, merchandise, which will come out a couple of days later. Uh, but that way people can give their input and their thoughts uh, and they can uh, check out what it's like uh, to Photoshop. I don't know if anybody's ever watched many Photoshop streams. I've only ever done one on the channel uh, before, but uh, I do Photoshop for a living. Uh, so it's kind of fun to show a little bit of that side. I, I get to watch artists do music all the time and do other fun stuff. And I rarely get to do art on this platform. So I'm kind of really excited about that opportunity uh, and to teach some of you guys uh, anything you want to know about Photoshop, um, you know, making uh, emotes. And maybe I was thinking, Champ, in a future stream, maybe I'm making emotes for your channel live on uh, on Twitch as well. So that could be kind of a, a cool thing to do. And then you can uh, join us and give your thoughts on uh, what you like to see. And we could do that. Hey, I got, I got another slot open, man. We can there make it happen. Go. All right. That's awesome. So um, I'll be away on vacation, but maybe when I come back from vacation, uh, we can you know make that happen, or maybe I'll just design that one more emote offline. And then I know that you actually have bit tier emotes. People don't know this, but you actually, when you are a streamer, you get your own six emotes. You get bit emotes for both uh, 1K, 5K, and is it 25K? I don't remember. There's I know you get three. Uh, and, um, and then you also get your tier two and tier three emotes. And so you're a lifetime tier three member of your own channel. So I could design you a whole bunch of emotes that you, even if it's just you that are using it temporarily, uh, you could have it through Twitch as well. So, uh, and if people ever want to actually hire me to make emotes, I was thinking about making uh, some perks on art streams where people could donate a certain number of subs and I designed them an emote live on, on air. Uh, so I was thinking about offering that as an option if people wanted to do that or either do it as gift subs or uh, if they donated like uh, 2000 bits or something um, and uh, we could do it live on air as well. And Carly's showing off that I, I've actually designed her loop emote uh, and her modified moon emotes uh, before. Uh, and I will just share in chat real quickly. Um, these are the ones that I have for my channel. Uh, and I'm always happy to help other people design uh, theirs as well. Um, and uh, so Champ, any final thoughts before uh, we do our raid? Uh, not really, just uh, I just got an alert on my phone and it's a flash flood warning around here. So it's about to get real nasty. Really I, got, I got the same one on the other side, you know, in Maryland. So it's, uh, Liz is actually, we have a brand new deck that was built uh, this summer and just finished and it's waterproofed under it. So she can actually sit out at a table and do some work on a laptop with the rain around her, which is pretty badass. So um, I'm actually watching Zach technically right now. Uh, people can see live on air. Uh, he's, he's fast asleep. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so that's exciting. So I'm excited about Carly's uh, show on Wednesday. Next Monday, I'm taking off. But again, uh, go to our Facebook page, go to Carol's um, Facebook page, go to his YouTube channel. He'll be still doing a live stream. I hope people still are able to check that out. Uh, I'll be taking a couple of weeks off throughout the summer. 
uh, and I'll also take a couple of weeks off for fraternity leave upcoming. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but you'll still see more of me. I'm always producing things behind the scenes as well. Uh, it's been awesome. Season six has gone incredible. This has been episode 10 of Sports on the Hill podcast um, on uh, episode two. 29 overall i'm going to stop here uh the audio portion of this podcast uh and people can go to sportsothp.com for more facebook.com slash sportsothp uh also has all the latest um and uh we'll check you guys out next week uh and uh we're gonna stop that facebook recording now um